Good morning. This is Noel Clark, Mickey Smith from Doctor Who, and you are listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'll see you in the future. For October 9th, 2018, I'm Steve Foder. I'm Chip Hessenflow. And we're just a couple of guys sitting around Spooky talking about things Chip that are important to us. <laughs> Hopefully they're important to you. If you need more information, there are spooky ways for you to find out more information. Steve, it's, it's, it's October. Yes, sir. It is time for us to go into the spooky thriller files. This is ghoulish, Steve. Mm. It is good, isn't it? This is so much fun. <laughs> anyway, I have some candied apples. Grab a pumpkin. Get some pumpkin spice. Somewhere. Oh, good golly! This pumpkin spice is in everything. This is this is an abomination. I think I got a pumpkin spice whopper. Did you really? No, I did not. <laughs> no, I most certainly did not. Was it last year that that <laughs> the Burger King came out with the black bun? Yes, they did. It oh. was delicious. <laughs> I bet it was. It was. It was fine. Anyway, uh, our whole um, you know thing, daylight savings time is coming up uh. in about a month, and uh, all I can say is it's getting dark really, really early now. And this, and it stays dark really late too. I've been waking up at my normal time and waking up and not knowing what time it is because the sun's not up yet. Yeah, we need to talk to our mayor about doing something about that. Yes. Film at 11. Brings us to our Film at 11, our movie of the week, and suffice it to say, what I've been doing this week is watching Doctor Who, Chip. Steve, what is this Doctor Who you're talking about? Oh, it's back. Doctor Who is ready for you when you are ready to get on the bus with me and watch Doctor Who, the new season of Doctor Who, season 11, which is very confusing because it's been on for 55 years. Season 11 premiered on BBC America on Sunday at 12.45 in the afternoon, which is a very interesting time slot. So 12.45 in the afternoon... Obviously, Central this, is, time. This, is, this is a British um, show. Mm-hmm. So, what time is that normally in Britain? That would be six hours ahead. They are six hours ahead, so that would be seven forty-five. Okay, that so this is their prime slot. time. Oh yes, sir. This was a wonderful introduction to all of the new characters of Doctor Who. The new Doctor Jodie Whittaker uh, fell from the sky through a train and landed right in the middle of a monster attacking her new friends, and she saved the day right away. Well, obviously, the, the the big statement on this is that the Doctor is a female. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she addressed that in the show. Tell me about that. Right there in the very first scene, the one of her friends says to her, Madam, you need to come with me. And the Doctor says, Madam, why do you keep calling me Madam? And she says, you're a woman. The Doctor replies, am I? Does it suit me? It was wonderful. It was a wonderful moment. And for those of us who, who have not watched Doctor Who... Doctor Who is a an alien mm-hmm. that changes form from yes. time to time. About every three years, a, a new actor comes in and plays the part of the Doctor. Very much like James Bond, mm-hmm. there's always different actors who are portraying the character of the Doctor. And uh, Jodie Whittaker is our new Doctor as of Sunday. I look forward to her new adventures. She built her own sonic screwdriver on Sunday, so we have that old-fashioned idea of a tool that can do just about anything. Don't call it a magic wand, but (laughs) it sort of is. 
All right, so th- this is a beginning episode. This is the premiere. They've got to introduce everything. Do you think Correct. this is set up for a, a, a big series? This is 12 episodes, right? That's right. This is going to go starting last Sunday all the way through to Christmas Day. Christmas Day is the final episode of this season. And yes, they had to set up all of the characters in this. This is a crowded TARDIS year. Tell which, us about it. Which means that there are three different people that are the friends of the Doctor traveling with her and being like the surrogate for us, the audience, being the humans traveling with this alien. And you use the word friends, which is different maybe from previous... Yes, iterations of uh, Doctor Who? Correct. We always called them companions. That was, the, that was the term that we always used, even though that was something that came from the fans, not specifically from the show. Now the show is changing that vernacular. They're no longer called companions, they're called friends. And there's a big emphasis here on changing the relationship between the Doctor and these other people. She goes through, you are my army. No, that's not right. You are my gang. No, that's not right either. You are my friends. That's a big difference. Now, this was addressed also in the show. Tell me about that. Yeah, one of the friends, the one who's a cop, says to the doctor, My name is Yasmin, but my friends call me Yaz. And about 30 seconds later, the doctor turns to her and says... I'm calling you Yaz because we're friends now. And this idea of friendship was so well emphasized throughout the entire episode. This is a different Doctor Who. This is a show that's been around for 55 years. And their big push this year has been a diversity within the cast and the writing and the editing. Throughout the entire production, there's a big emphasis on we are a people that are together on this project. And you as an audience member can join in anytime all of it is new it's new to everybody and the doctor actually said all of this is new to you and new can be scary so the idea is that you can jump on at any point Mm -hmm. and this is a new jumping on part you don't need a 55 year encyclopedia although there are quite a few encyclopedias available for purchase also, what was introduced in this was that each of the friends has a different background. And, and they're it- very blue-collar characters now. They've moved the production and the story to Sheffield, England. That's in the northern half of England. And that's a different location from where it's previously been recorded? Yeah, they've been filming in Cardiff for the last 13 years of this show, and they've moved all of their production to this other town, this Sheffield, which is halfway between Glasgow, Scotland, and London, England. It's a very different sort of town. It's a blue-collar sort of area. So the friends that we encounter in the first episode are a nurse, a bus driver, a police officer, and a young man who wants to be a mechanic. And there's a special story about the gentleman who wants to be a mechanic, too. Tell me about that. right. He is the first companion with a disability on Doctor Who. He has a rare disability called dyspraxia. What is that? It is a very rare, uh, less than 200,000 people in the United States have this disability. It is an inability for his body to balance and to coordinate. It makes writing very difficult because he can't make his hand do what he wants it to do. The first episode is concerned with him learning to ride a bike. He's a 19-year-old man Mm -hmm. who really wants to learn to ride a bike, but because of his disability, he can't 
do that. Okay. And the storyline is that even though he has this particular ailment, he can still be a big part of this adventure. So he's, he's still included into right. the team. That's right. Ah. That's what Doctor Who is in 2018. And I look forward to what we're going to see from that line of inclusion and everybody's a friend. Now, is this show going to continue on this uh, Was it this early release on Sundays? No, that was the special global premiere that was around the world all at the same time we all got this together. It will move to its normal time slot, which is 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, on Sunday nights, okay. starting next week. Now, if you missed this premiere yes. on this last Sunday... Or if you only watched it twice like I did. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Steve, is there a way that our, our listeners could, could maybe join some people to see it? Yep, we're getting together. Our friends at Fathom Events are bringing Doctor Who to the theaters tomorrow night and Thursday, October 10th and 11th at 7.30 Central. It, we are going to go to your local movie theater with you, and we're going to watch this episode again together and get that feeling of all of us are in this, and we're all friends. All right, so Fathom Events also had some other fun things going on this last week. Tell us a little bit of something you got to see. Yep, last week I went to my local theater and I watched Above and Beyond, NASA's Journey to Tomorrow. This is the celebration of the 60th anniversary of NASA and talking about all of the wonderful science that's being done in space and down here on Earth that involves these scientists that have come together in the this particular community. This is sort of planting the seeds of this next generation's um, sort of goals and, and the scientific needs mm -hmm. of the future. That curiosity that leads us to scientific endeavors, including our journey to Mars, that very well might happen in our lifetime, but it won't be us who's going, it's our kids. Well, it seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. That was, uh, you got to see that through Fathom Events. Correct. This is also going to be shown on the Discovery Channel later on. That's right. This is the Discovery Channel event that Fathom Events brought out as a premiere, but it's going to be on the Discovery Channel on Saturday. You could check your local listings and find that one. I like this. It was not as exciting as they made it sound. It's very educational. It's very Discovery Channel, as I probably should have expected. It's little 10-minute segments that are put together into a 90-minute piece. Mm -hmm. A lot of great vocabulary. I think my science teachers in school will be using this to explain to the students what NASA is doing. You got a chance to see uh, Joe Rogan on Netflix. This one is called Strange Times. For those who don't know Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan is a comedian. Mm -hmm. And it seems like that this is the place, if you wanted to see a, if you weren't able to get to a comedy show mm -hmm. uh, at a club, then you would go to Netflix. And it's like every week they're releasing a new comedian. And they're set. Yeah. So uh, Joe Rogan uh, toured with uh, Strange Times. And uh, they recorded a show in Boston, and I got to watch that. I know uh, I know Joe Rogan from a, a podcast that he does, mm -hmm. and he usually has long form interviews with all sorts of um, esoteric. Would be a good way. <laughs> That's of a describing. nice way to say it. Yes. Yeah. Let's just say that you know um, I shouldn't say fringe. Maybe maybe cutting edge mm -hmm. science um, or science that hasn't gone through peer review stuff that maybe be, uh, hasn't really. There really isn't somebody doing it maybe somewhere else. Almost like coast to coast, 
but maybe a little more grounded. I, you know, what would you say? Um, I, I think that he's experimenting with things, and he's not a scientist. Well, it, <laughs> the other part about it is Joe is very, very open about his use of multiple uh, substances uh-huh. that may be legal and maybe not legal. Uh, that's that's one of the reasons why I don't listen to Joe Rogan is that I don't believe that that's a good thing for our society, and I don't really enjoy some of his viewpoints i i did watch this yeah i did listen to his his viewpoint and then he backtracked and had to say or he felt that he had to say i don't really believe this this is a funny joke all right in, in fact that was a very jerry seinfeld part of this and mm-hmm. a lot of comedians are finding it very difficult especially going to college universities yeah. uh to go and, and do their sets there because it's, it's just very part of a comedian's job is um, to be a reflection of society, Mm -hmm. to say the things that maybe a person is thinking but is not willing to go out and say publicly. Right. It's become very difficult for many comedians, especially if they have, you know, there's a difference between this persona that they're, they've uh, created that's the stage persona and a real life person who's got a function in society and uh, there's this asterisk that he's like and let me make sure i'm going to talk about a bunch of jokes that for some reason nobody else is oh yeah i'm going to go ahead and say this is not my viewpoint but this was funny when i wrote it this was funny don't email me death threats exactly yeah exactly yeah so anyway you you get a little bit of his stuff he certainly is not i wouldn't say family friendly no um this is a more of a, 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 a grown-up not adult this is grown a, up this is a grown-up conversation yes um and i um i, I did not mind this i i didn't i liked Chappelle's better oh, I, I, I like john Mulaney's better mm-hmm. but you know what if i was um a person who went to comedy clubs all the time and they said well and this week john Mulaney, and next week is dave Chappelle, and the next week joe rogan Basically, you're, you're getting good stuff. Okay. You, you know you're getting a, a, a top-line uh, comedian, and um, I, I didn't mind this. This was this was fun. I would say 50 out of 100, and I think people will enjoy it. Maybe we have listeners that are listeners to his podcast. Maybe we share an audience that I'm not aware of. I don't if, know if, you, if we do. If you're a person that listens to this show and listens to Joe Rogan, send us an email. Tell us what we're missing. All right, so Joe Rogan's uh, podcast, what I'll quickly mention is... I've, I've found a number of people connected. So a lot of people listen to it. Mm-hmm. He's got a huge following. And what I, I, I was getting my pants tailored at the uh, store. And uh, the guy goes, I said, well, I, we were talking about something. He goes, oh, yeah, I just heard that on Joe Rogan's podcast. Hmm. So I was like, oh, so, you know, what are we talking about? We're talking about millennials. Okay. So anyway. So but, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. He's not a millennial, though. He's, he's, he doesn't, but you've got an audience. Yeah. You, you have to create your audience. All right. You also got a chance to watch the entire second season of Game of Thrones. Steve, I'm watching Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. There's, I think there's seven seasons, and they're getting ready to come up with the last okay. season. Or maybe the last season's the seventh season. It doesn't really matter. I um, was so intrigued by season one mm-hmm. that I immediately started watching season two, Steve. And you're still loving it. This is a really good series. Like you think that this should win some Emmys. Probably. probably. <laughs> so if you are like me and somehow have missed a series, uh-huh. I, I would say go out and find the series that you missed. If you if This is sword and sorcery okay. without a lot of sword and sorcery. Yes, there are some zombie-like characters running around in the background, but you, you rarely see them. See that Johnny Walker is coming out with a, a version of their whiskey that's Johnny White Walker. 
No, that's really? a thing. Yeah, that's a thing. Well, and, and it, it, you know, there, there are uh, there's some dragons that you get to see, you know, rarely, but mm-hmm. you get to see them. And and then there's um, there's witches and stuff like that. It's sort of like there's a Conan the Barbarian type thing, a okay. Lord of the Rings type thing. Yeah. But really, those are all sort of in the background because most of the time it's playing almost like uh, a house of cards. Uh-huh. Um, there, there's the power struggle. There, there's a lot going on there, and it's all set in sort of this um, medieval time. Uh, you, know, you know, I'm sorry. Where they don't have spoons. Where they don't. <laughs> That's right. Steve, uh, and there's lots of violence and lots of adult situations. Uh-huh. That's what I've heard. I've heard a lot of people really enjoy this, both for the acting and for the adult situations that pop up. Listen, parents have needs. They get to see those needs. And, you know, all these people are just beautiful people anyway. Uh, that's the other thing that I've heard is this is a wonderful cast that are beautiful people and great actors too. And, and you've got this source material that you can pull from mm-hmm. so that there's um, all I can say is there's probably seven or eight stories going on that they don't interact but they all play on this world and, and this is that's why this is such a skilled production because you'll abandon a story maybe for an entire episode only to come back to it for the next one so you do need to watch them in order and you do need to pay attention mm-hmm. but this is not you know so deep that you can't just kind of pick up and go with it okay. but I, I i started with season one it set up the ball ro- rolling for season two season two ended which set up the beginning of season three and steve i, I just want to tell you i'm in season three so wow. i'll keep going so it's so we're going to change the name of the show to this week in what chips watching from 2011 and you're getting through these shows that's it's amazing where we're at with television the fact that you can go back and get to you should go to the sopranos next maybe i'll get to the sopranos I, I, I that was great i, I haven't seen it I know I'm supposed to see another series that'll be on this, but I, you know, if you think about it, if I can tackle, you know, a season is ten episodes, Steve. Mm-hmm. Ten episodes is ten hours. I, I don't really have ten hours a week to dedicate to this type of show. Mm-hmm. But you know, you have Saturday and Sunday, and especially these last weekend where it's raining a lot, you're like, well, all right, I'll watch another. I'll watch some more TV. Opening this week, we've got Bad Times at the El Royale. Steve, this stars Thor. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth, Dakota Johnson, John Hamm, Jeff Bridges. The dude. The dude. The dude abides. So at some point, you're going to have to have a white Russian, Mm -hmm. and uh, maybe you can find Thor's eye. And go play Tron. Oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) This looks like one of those movies that we've seen before. It's a, a... dark gritty detective story where something is happening where they're hiding something and we're discovering the secrets well sort of a twilight zone uh-huh. episode that sort of at the psycho hotel it reminds me of from dusk till dawn from 1996 where they go to this weird bar and these weird things happen i don't think there's going to be as much vampires in this as there was in from dusk till dawn but it's got that same feel to it something's going on there's some murders going on mm-hmm. steve I, I look forward to that one there is a uh, look at the life of the astronaut neil armstrong opening this week it's called first man well, that seems to be a trend going on you mm-hmm. saw something from the discovery channel this week steve and this is about revisiting which we forget you know when we didn't have a person that landed on the moon right 
um, these were true pioneers. They were they were astronauts. They uh-huh. were unique people and risking their lives for this adventure. And what we're doing is we're telling a little bit about their life story. Mm-hmm. I look forward to this one. Ryan Gosling plays Neil Armstrong, and uh, the, the reviews seem to be positive on this one so far. He picks good stuff. Yeah, Goosebumps Two: Haunted Halloween is opening this week. Jack Black is back as R.L. Stein in now, this did one. Jack Black just released. <laughs> Uh, a, a movie that maybe looks sort of like an R.L. Stein book. Very much. This is. I think Jack Black is finding his his little his, corner. His niche, yes, Steve. His right. niche. That's right. This is who Jack Black is in a lot of ways. He's that fun uncle who comes over and has these thriller adventures that are still at a children's level. This looks like a fun adventure. That's right, because we, we have young kids that maybe are not ready for Stephen King's It. Correct. But still, and, and but maybe want something maybe a little bit above Halloween Town from Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, the, but, you know, just right there. Playful. Halloween, as we know, is the second most, uh, as far as revenue produced mm-hmm. for stores and stuff like that, Christmas is number one. Halloween is growing. Yeah. And it's got a worldwide audience now. And there's so many great adventures to be had. There's so many movies that are at the horror level. And then there's these young adult, you know, maybe even smaller than young adult stories. R.L. Stein, Goosebumps wrote these stories. And these movies really capture that feeling really well. I look forward to that one. Speaking of family movies, Steve. Oh, not so much. The next one is called The Kindergarten Teacher. This is Maggie Gyllenhaal as a kindergarten teacher who finds this young man who has an amazing talent and then she gets a little bit obsessed with this kid. Steve, I think Maggie has forgotten boundaries. Uh, she's uh, Historically, she's not been very good with boundaries in real life. Uh, well, anyway, this is a story about a kindergarten teacher who discovers their young uh, student mm-hmm. Uh, is gifted at poetry and decides to take it on her own uh-huh. to market and and uh, when you say take you mean she abducts this child and goes on the road with this child oh they do yeah well anyway this is um there's a lot of questions being posed uh-huh. in this and it seems to have uh, found an audience this is a, a little not dark it seems but, pretty but dark. certainly on that like real life type of like oh my goodness this could happen. It's scary. It is. It is certainly got that real life fright to it. This is going to be on Netflix this week, and I, I do look forward to it. I'm not going. To, I'm not sure that I'm going to watch it though. All right. So we've got young people, Steve. Is there anything else that's scary? Yeah. As parents of teenagers, there's there's some scary things out there in the world. There's a movie called Beautiful Boy. This is based on the best selling pair of memoirs from a father and son talking about the the life of a child with drug addiction this This doesn't take place in scranton pennsylvania does it? no it does feature steve carell and amy ryan who were a featured couple in that u.s office but no this is this is a real story about real pain in a real family all right so this is a a, a very this is this is every parent's nightmare Mm -hmm. you love your child and a child gets basically addicted to drugs Mm -hmm. and they're in a they're spiraling downhill and as a parent, you feel almost powerless. You, you feel like you can't do this. Right. But for the, that child, what's compelling them to do this 
could be any number of reasons. Is it psycho- uh, something um, from the psychology? Uh, how do you deal with it? Do you right. deal with it because your body is addicted to mm-hmm. it, as in it needs this? Um, or is there something else at play here? You know, there's influences. You're, you're powerless as a parent. Yeah. Powerless is, is a really important word here. Watching this trailer, you can feel, as a, as a parent of teenagers, what this man could be feeling. And imagine, I mean, life is hard enough and then throw another, something on it that's just, once again, you cannot control. Right. It's another person. And, uh, you know, trying to unwind why this is happening and then trying to get this person treatment. And then, you know, you get to decide whether you give up mm-hmm. or you keep fighting. Yep. And that's that's, that, this that's is, a powerful, powerful message in this one. This looks like it's going to be a very deep, touching film. Um, I don't know how many people want to go through this right. in a movie. It looks like some great acting from Steve Carell, though. I think Steve Carell has really shown us what his acting chops look like, and this could be award-winning. Steve, are there any movies that have Arnold Schwarzenegger? Well, sort of. The answer is no, but the story of the discovery of Arnold Schwarzenegger is featured in the movie Bigger. This is the story of Joe and Ben Weeder, who are the founders of the fitness movement. Well, I'm going to get up a strudel, and I'm going to go watch this movie. <laughs> they are the ones who discovered Arnold Schwarzenegger and made him into Mr. Universe. Well, anyway, this looks fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Arnold Schwarzenegger has a, a, a story career. Yes. For our young people, he was the rock of our youth. That, that's very true. Very much he was the rock. Even, even though Hulk Hogan was kind of the rock, this was the real life. I am going to be the most muscular fitness person and then he got into film and became an actor with the terminator he was conan and conan afterwards yeah the arnold schwarzenegger is not in this film there's an actor portraying arnold schwarzenegger but tom arnold is in this one so we do get one arnold there is a movie called i still see you we watched the trailer on this one and it uh it took a a left turn on us all right so steve this is sort of science fiction based in chicago then there's a ghost story that yeah. takes place. That kind of the ghost kind of shows up and goes away. I don't know why we needed the the, um, the science fiction the part of it, but anyway, it's there, mm-hmm. and I'm sure this is going to be interesting. I I found the trailer interesting at least. The fact that it's Chicago-based sci-fi really got me as a hook at the beginning, and then boy, it turned left, and I was like, well, okay, now there's ghosts, and you can you can see the ghosts, and the ghosts can hurt you, but you can also drive your bike through them. Run, Steve. I, I That's what the ghost says to you. That one's called "I Still See You." Book it. Book it. Book it. Book it, book it, book it. Book it. Book it. Brings us to our book it, our book of the week, and we... We're going to lighten it up, Steve. All right. Happy Halloween, everyone. It's October. It's time for a little bit of a light reading. We call them comic books. A bathroom read, Steve. Okay. Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't say that, Steve. I said these are light reads. That's right. So for those of us who have not watched Mystery Science Theater, Steve, uh, but still have listened to the show. 
the two people that are listening to the show that don't know Mystery Science Theater. Yes, I'll explain. Why don't we explain what Mystery Science Theater is? The idea of Mystery Science Theater 3000 is taking movies and riffing on them, sitting there with the audience and making fun of the pictures that are on screen. So if you've ever watched a movie and you've sat with your buddies and somebody something happens and you're making fun of it. Uh-huh, making a joke at the expense of the movie. All right, that's riffing. That's riffing. Okay. Um, and Steve, this is a comic based on Mystery Science Theater 3000. It's based on the concept of riffing. Joel, who was the creator of Mystery Science Theater 3000, always had in his mind that he could somehow riff on old comic books. And he finally found the right combination of elements in this one where he's actually taken a comic book from 1962 which is called Johnny Jason Teen Reporter and replaced some of the characters in it with the characters from Mystery Science Theater 3000. So a long time ago kids (laughs) there were these things called spinner racks and spinner racks were at your drugstore, and they were at your convenience stores. I think that was a Doctor Who monster. That's right. They were. <laughs> that's right. They, eventually, they played a Doctor Who uh, monster. I'm sure. <laughs> they were at uh, grocery stores. They uh-huh. were everywhere, and you could buy comics for ten cents or twelve cents or whatever they were. And there were more than just Superman and Batman comics. That's right. There were more than just Spider-Man comics. There were a whole genre, and so what you got because they were so inexpensive, is you got a variety of stuff. So some of them were really, really good. Uh-huh. And, and others some of them were, were not. Were not so good. Right. And so it looks like Johnny Jason Teen Reporter uh-huh. was a comic that was probably from an independent person. Maybe it doesn't have a... Um, uh, you know, intellectual property value at this point. Right. It basically is released to public domain. Um, and my assumption is Mr. Science Theater picked it up and said, hey, we'll make fun of this. That's what they kind of do is they find those properties that are outside of the of the realm of copyright. They're old enough to make fun of and, and have fun with. This is a fun comic book. Tom Servo goes into this comic book and becomes Tom Servo teen reporter and he's saying things that are completely off color from the 1962 but because we know those characters so well it's very entertaining so they place the mr science theater characters in these stories yes so these are <laughs> these these were reprints uh-huh. where uh, new characters were introduced and then of course new new balloons come up new balloons come up with with all sorts of funny things that they are saying from our perspective in the 21st century. And that was released this month, right? This yeah. last month. It was just released a couple of weeks ago. The next issue is coming out in a couple of weeks from now. And you can find that on Comixology. That's right. Now, this reminds me a lot. Back in 2007, Keith Gibbon and Michael Mike Lieb came out with a series called What Were They Thinking? It was in Boom Studios, which was another competing comic book um publisher Mm -hmm. and what it was was they took i think four or five comics different genres there's war comics and there's love comics and all sorts of stuff anyway they just rewrote the scripts of them and uh and keith giffen is known for well some of the funnier um comics that have come out so even justice league at one time there was a comedy bit going on for a long time and he had a, a character called ambush bug that he he wrote and so Keith Giffen would come in and write these funny stories. This was just another place where he could do something very similar. Mm-hmm. Riff, but just basically rewriting these old comics that are out of um, out of print, obviously, but yeah. maybe out of um, 
uh, public domain. Uh, I'm sorry, in public domain at this point. Hmm. That's interesting that somebody else came up with this before Joel was able to find the right sauce to make the Mystery Science Theater version. Well, Steve, it's also Halloween time. That's right. And some of our comics are certainly taking up that mantle. The The series, The Afterlife with Archie, has taken and done this for, it's been five years now, right? Yeah, there's a, a guy named Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. Mm-hmm. He came to Archie had a proposal of taking these characters that we know and said, hey, listen, what if there was a uh, zombie apocalypse in Riverdale Mm -hmm. and uh, let's tell the story. And that's sort of a, you know, it's kind of a what if. And the deal is with this that makes it so powerful is for, for me, I didn't grow up with Archie Comics, but I was aware of Archie Comics. Sure. I know all the characters. Mm -hmm. We have the cartoons too. That's right. Josie and the Pussycats. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. So anyway, the idea was, well, Hot Dog the Dog died. And um, so what does Jughead do? Which is one of the kids, the guy with the crown. Mm -hmm. He takes over Sabrina's uh, house, who's the witch, and says, hey, Sabrina, help me save my dog. Uh And there's the beginning of this story that all of a sudden a zombie apocalypse happens to Riverdale. Because of the success that Roberto had with this, he was able to take over. He became the um, creative director of Archie Comics. Really? So he took over the whole line. And they've had a, a revamp. So there's a, like a modern version of Archie Comics going on right now that has updated, doesn't have that cartoony look, has mm-hmm. more of a, a today's contemporary look. Along with, with they, they still reprint the old ones. Mm-hmm. But from that, he became the executive producer of Riverdale, which... I'm sure many of our younger listeners have spent time watching. That's right. In fact, my kids were watching Riverdale for the last two seasons or whatever it was. They had no idea that these were comics. Wow. So there we go. Next generation. So Afterlife with Archie uses a color palette of orange and black Mm -hmm. and purples. and and, Very Halloween. They were all Halloween. Yeah. And they come out with an issue. There's only been like 11 issues of it. The next issue comes out like in December. So it's like once a year they'll come okay. out with an issue. But anyway, it's a very good horror comic. If you if you have interest in that, you can usually find a uh, discount version, usually at Half Price Books or something, or off uh, Amazon. Mm-hmm. But you can go to Comixology and you can get it for, yeah, it's like six bucks or whatever for the for all the stories. Yeah. Um, the other one is The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Um, Roberto also wrote that. And uh, that one's a little bit darker. Wow. So, and, and because of the success of that story, Netflix, in uh, the end of October, the week of Halloween, mm-hmm. is going to release their um, live series. action version of that story. Sure. It's sort of got this 50s feeling. Yeah. That uh, he's got this contemporary look at the you know the, of the horror. So th- these are not meant for young young kids. If you're thinking Archie for like a five year old, this is not for them. Mm-hmm. But if you're a teenager, man, this is like all your level. And you know these are light reads. These are these are things that that um, you know you got you know you've got twenty minutes or thirty minutes, and you want to read a, a fun a tale, mm-hmm. but maybe you didn't want to pick up the book. Um, this is the type of thing that you could really sit down and read. So Afterlife with Archie and Chilling Adventures of Sabrina are Halloween reads right there. Nice. I love that we can talk about comic books and meet all these people and, and talk about what these short stories can do. I love the idea of short story writers and how they have to stick to a, a particular format. Graphic novels 
go into that very well. Oh, sure. And I, like I said, the, uh, the Afterlife uh, with Archie, definitely, I think it's 11 issues they've, they've had so far. And it's moved on. I mean, everything's falling apart all around Riverdale. And they've got to, to find a way to outwit you know, the, the, the zombies that are coming in. Every time you turn around, there's a new character that's being introduced. You go, oh, my goodness, that's what it is. Huh. It's got beautiful colors, uh, beautiful covers. Um, it's very. It's a very well thought out series. There you go. You can find all those in our Amazon store, amazon.toomuchscrolling.com. Appetite. You know, I, I'm a cord cutter chip. I don't pay for cable. I've I've never really had cable in my life that doesn't it didn't exist when I was a kid. I went to college and had cable because the dorm had cable. After that, I thought that cable was the thing I needed to pay for. I I, I don't pay for cable. I well, don't want it. You're not alone. You're not alone. Uh, many of us are streaming. In fact, uh, I've been I've been working with streaming Hulu mm-hmm. for um, a few months now. It works out real real well and. I, that is cable, mm-hmm. but it's streaming. But you're actually talking about not paying even for one of those types of services, basically paying for an app, maybe Netflix as you need it, or HBO as you need it, right. or you know, Stars as you need it. This right here is a way... Tell us about this Lowcast. Yeah, Lowcast.org is the latest to offer live streaming of all of the broadcast channels in your viewing area. In New York, Boston, Chicago, Houston, Dallas, or Denver, I have an antenna on my roof so Mm -hmm. that I can get all the broadcast channels for free. And this is a way for free to live stream those to my mobile app if I'm not at home next to my antenna. So you have to use your browser and you go to a website. Lowcast.org, which, by the way, if you type Lowcast and let auto spell do it for you, it says, oh, Locust. No, okay. no, no, it's not Locust. It's Lowcast.org. Uh-huh. All right, and uh, my assumption is is that you would have to, if you use an Apple TV or used a Roku or a, you know something like that, you would actually have to go to some kind of browser. There is an app for the Roku. I'm not sure about the Apple TV, but on the Roku, I do have an app. I just haven't made it work yet. Every time I've gone to it, I've gotten no signal. But I think that this is going to work out well when they get that working. All right, so one of the real challenges with this types of service in the past, we've had a couple companies try this. Mm-hmm. And they eventually get uh, shut down. Is that this company that has established this is a five hundred one c four, a non profit organization? There you go. Uh-huh. And so what they are doing is they're trying to make an argument that they're providing a service. That's right. They they are their argument is that we the people should have access to all the free over the air broadcasts that's the idea of us owning the airwaves is we should have access to these broadcasts so their argument is well if somebody living in the chicago area can't get a signal they should be allowed whatever means they find to get that signal and this is their provision providing that and not to get too much in the weeds of this but if you were broadcasting this and not xing out the commercials i don't know how a a television station could say that they're being hurt right 
um, if they were somehow axing out the commercials or putting They're their not. own commercials around it, correct? You know, maybe you could say that there is an issue. I don't know how they make money, but let's just say that you know this is a nonprofit and somebody is trying to figure out a way to make this work. So anyway, this is the latest attempt. Yeah, we'll see how long it stays up and uh, doesn't get shut down by whatever rules that they are not following. But so far, they're following all the rules and you can get to a live stream of all of your broadcast channels on your mobile phone so you can watch Sven even when you're not at home. There you go, That's Steve. really what it comes down to for me is I needed a way to get to Sven Svengooli is not streamed anywhere. Not on MeTV, not anywhere. So this is a way to get that program. Really? Uh-huh. 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 There's your Halloween connection. Scroll with it. You know the World Wide Web? Have you heard of that? This World Wide Web, WWW, right? Yeah. Very 1990. It's a, it's a system where we can get to all the information that we need anytime, anywhere. Uh, Tim Berners-Lee is the guy that invented it one day in the late 1980s, and he's been looking at what we've been doing with his invention for the last 30 years, and he's a little bit perturbed that some of the really mega huge corporations have taken over some of his idea of this World Wide Web. And for our listeners who don't really get what Steve just said, I'll, I'll point it to you very simply. Um, if you have an Amazon account, mm-hmm. or you have Google, uh-huh. like Gmail or something like that, or AOL, uh-huh. or uh, a Facebook. Hotmail or MSN account or uh-huh. something like that, um, Yahoo, mm-hmm. um, your data is being collected mm-hmm. by lots and lots and lots of companies. Mm-hmm. And, and being you don't sold have, to lots of companies as well. You are a product of this. That's right. So they give you all these wonderful, wonderful things, and they've built all this wonderful parts to you. Mm-hmm. What they haven't done very well is explain to you how much of your privacy. My favorite statement, and you make this statement once in a while, is like, mm-hmm. I have nothing to hide. That's right. You're right. You have nothing to hide until you have something to hide. That's right. And it'll be the time, like, Steve's up to be uh, superintendent or something like that. And they're going, oh, let's look at his search history mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And all of your social media history and, and who you are on that digital realm. You don't realize that you don't have privacy right, right now. This is a way. In fact, this was a, this was one of the points of the books that we, we read this last summer, where uh, Cory Doctorow mm-hmm. basically was saying, "Hey, listen, you don't have privacy, and you don't know what you don't know." And they're like, "Well, I have nothing to hide." Uh-huh. That's right. You had nothing to hide. So Tim Berners Lee is striving to fix this situation. Correct. He has created a, a group called Inrupt, I-N-R-U-P-T, and they have a new concept in privacy and data security they're calling SOLID. This is way too technical. SOLID. SOLID. This is way too technical for this show. I know that. But I just want to point out that if Tim Berners-Lee says there's something wrong with the World Wide Web, I believe him because he invented the thing. He has found a way for us to 
pod our data, to actually silo out our data, maybe even on a server in our home, and then to use that pod as our identifier on all of these services, instead of, say, using Facebook to log in to some other service. And let me tell you where this benefits you. At some point, you may wish to remove some part of that information from the web. Mm -hmm. You can't do it. The web has a history of you. That's right. Of anything you've ever done, it's got a history of you. Well, if you had the ability to use something like Solid, mm -hmm. if you removed it, it would remove it from all the sites that have access to it. Theoretically. That is the idea of this of this whole new revolution in our privacy and our security led by the founder the inventor of the world wide web i'm, I'm really going to keep an eye on this yes i'm not going to talk about it at parties too often because yes it's far too technical for most of our audience but you should look into these articles that are in our show notes you know, October is so full of thrills and chills. There's so many wonderful things out there. Some of them are very needful, and we need to look at some of those things. Steve, I was going to say that many of our kids, our listeners, mm -hmm. are in school right now, mm -hmm. and they obviously have homework to do sometimes. So it's time for homework for the rest of our listeners. Well, this is for the, this is for the adults. Uh, I would agree with that. We we are starting up our book club once again. Our October read together is Stephen King's Needful Things from 1991. Steve, a period piece. It is. It is now a period piece. It is so 1991 in its storytelling. This was the age before cell phones. This was the age before the World Wide Web. All of those things were right around the corner, but in this story, uh, none of those exist. So this is being released on October 9th, as far as our show. There's a reference to October 9th in the book. <laughs> yes. Tell us more about that. Yeah, chapter one, the very first chapter of this book takes place on right before and on October 9th when the store Needful Things opens in the town of Castle Rock. So here we are, October 9th. The story then takes place during Columbus Day weekend. What? Huh, huh, look at that. We, we are living through a Stephen King novel. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to tell you right now, as I understand this book, as we're getting ready to go deep into it, that you can get anything you want at Needful Things, Steve. Uh-huh, for a price. The price, price. the price is far more than the dollars in your pocket will cost you. Well, Steve, mm -hmm. that seems to set us up. If you are interested in joining us, grab a copy. Mm -hmm. You can read it uh, through like Kindle. Yeah. Or you can read so electronic version, or you can read a paper version. And you can try to find a copy at your local library. Stephen King books are readily available in paper at the local library, but not digitally. I have not found a digital copy of this through my local library. Really? So that's an interesting turn. But yes, you should read this with us. We're going to discuss it on our Halloween show, which is happening on Tuesday, October 30th. Before that, send us your questions and your comments. If you make it audio, I'll play it. I will play it on the air. And this is part of our All Hallows Read. Yes. Celebration, Steve. It's time. So if you're not familiar with All Hallows Read, the idea is that every Halloween you give away a, a basically a horror story. Uh, and there you go. So Stephen King is known for horror. Mm -hmm. 
this is our story for, that we want to share. Excellent. We're, I, I look forward to this conversation. This is a good book. I, I, I love Stephen King's ability to scare me on a psychological level, and this one certainly examines some of those ideas in people's heads and what they do as a result of those thoughts. <laughs> I don't know, Chip. I think we have enough information to survive another week. What do you think? Maniacal laugh. Maniacal laugh. This is Chip Hassenblatt. <laughs> if you need more information, give us a call or a text. Our phone number is 805-4104-TMS. Our website is TooMuchScrolling.com. You can send us an email, TooMuchScrolling at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We're on iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. And now we're we're on Spotify now. Spotify. So those of you who are Spotify listeners, you can search for Too Much Scrolling on there, too. You can go to our news site, news.toomuchscrolling.com. Get all the news that you need. I want to thank you again for listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'm Steve Foder. I'm Chip Hessenflug. Spooky Chip Hessenflug. <laughs> we'll see you in the future. I want to talk